Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Luke. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. Then they asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and, I say, and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places, famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. Take my words and speak through them. Take our ears and hear through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire for love for you, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. I always have to be careful about turning on my mic because Father Everett told me last week he could hear me humming. (laughs) We're about to start a new church year. The first Sunday in Advent is December 1st, two weeks away. So we could be thinking about endings and also new beginnings. In all of the synoptic gospels, Jesus offers his disciples a glimpse of the ending of the world as we know it. Jesus' words in the gospel today describe the splendors of the temple that the disciples were reviewing. Now this is the third temple. Solomon built the first temple in 587 BC. And when the Jews returned from their captivity, and when it was destroyed, and when the Jews returned from their captivity in Babylonia, they built a second temple, a remarkable work of faith 
but inferior to the original temple. Herod tore that down in 20 BC to make room for this temple that the disciples are admiring today in the gospel. Six centuries earlier, when the temple was destroyed, worshipers learned that they could sing the Lord's song in a strange land and without a temple. It brought me back to a memory of a number of years ago when the church at 21st and Memorial was hit by a tornado on a Friday night, I think it was, and the pastor got on TV and he says, it's okay, we're having church on Sunday because the church is our people, it's not a building. So the raising of the second temple was simply created as a nostalgic focus of devotion. Religion had already become centered in a way of life through the individual, family, and community as the scriptures explained it. Jesus described to the disciples how the whole of Jerusalem would be demolished, yet that was only the beginning, as there would be other calamities, wars and social disruptions, natural disasters such as earthquakes, famines, and epidemics, as well as threatening celestial phenomenon. Sound familiar? Wars social disruption, floods, epidemics. Not only do we see this every day in our newspapers, but on the 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., noon, 4 p.m., 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 9 p.m., and 10 o'clock news. And also, if you look in the book of Revelation, as the predictions that John wrote, many of the calamities may have occurred and the remainder will still take place in the future. Are these signs of the end? Jesus warned not to be duped. And for the younger folks in the room, that was a 1681 word that meant to be fooled or tricked, if you didn't know what duped mean. The disciples see an external adornment of the temple but they fail to see the spiritual bankruptcy behind its facade. The hypocrisy, the oppression, the rejection of the Messiah and the gospel, and the impending death of God's Son at the hands of religious authorities. Jesus predicted the fall of Jerusalem, and now he predicts the destruction of the temple. Not only the physical structure, but ultimately our Lord and Savior. Once again, the problem comes back to the faithlessness of the people. Even in this world-destroying catastrophe, Luke, Jesus says, God's faithful people should lift their heads and expect the three R's, resurrection, redemption, and rescue. But another temple will rise in its place, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, fitted together, grows into a holy temple of the Lord. 
in whom we are all also built together for a habitation of God in the Spirit. As I was preparing, I found this little story I want to share with you. Two gas servicemen were checking gas meters. They parked their truck at one end of the suburban neighborhood, and they went from meter to meter down the alley and checking them until they got to the end. At the last house, a woman was looking out her kitchen window and watched the men as they checked her gas meter. After they checked the meter, the senior supervisor challenged his young trainee to a foot race down the alley because he wanted to prove to him that the old guy could beat the young guy. As they came running up to the truck, they realized that the lady from the last house was huffing and puffing behind them. They stopped, turned, and asked her what was wrong. Gasping for breath, she replied, when I see two gas men running as hard as you two were, <laughs> I figured I'd better run too. <laughs> now this little story and our gospel reading from Luke are both examples of the old adage that things are not always what they seem to be. That's why Jesus warned the disciples to beware of false teachers who would come and proclaim that they were the promised Messiah. He knew that just like the temple's beauty hid its ugly secrets, the false teachers with their appearances, methods, and teachings would hide their true motives. False teachers exist in our society today. Not all false prophets, though, are religious. Some of them promote get-rich-quick schemes and preach a gospel of stocks, bonds, and real estate. You all have probably heard of Bernie Madoff. He was a mastermind of the scheme that defrauded thousands of people of billions of dollars. Unfortunately, there are all kinds of schemers out there, especially schemers who prey on the elderly and the less fortunate in society. Over the past few weeks, I've seen on the news people who are scheming to take advantage of other people, and especially after disasters and around the holidays. So beware. Jesus doesn't promise us a rose garden here on earth. In fact, he makes it quite clear to us and to his disciples that people will hate them and persecute them. He doesn't tell the disciples that they will escape pain and he doesn't tell us that either. He promises that the persecutions that his followers will face will give them opportunities to witness the gospel. Those who do Christ's work in the world can expect to face persecution. In the third world, Christians regularly face imprisonment, threats, harassments, beating, and even death for their faith. I was in Iraq a number of times, and each time I met with devout Christians who asked me to pray with them 
because they knew that they would face trials and retaliation for their Christian beliefs if they were caught. Here in the developed world, we don't face these extremes today as we did in the past, but we still face the prospect of rejection, job loss, discrimination for our faith, our beliefs, or because of race, or sexual preference, or political affiliation. It still happens. Thankfully, in the times of trial, we can turn to God for strength, hope, and support. He can give us the strength to face adversity and persecution. He will tell us what to do, say, and even think, just like he promised the disciples, if we will only listen. At 5 o'clock this morning on my way to church, I heard this song the title was, God is Standing With Me. And the singer was saying that as others are running away from me, God is running towards me. And God stands with his arms outheld in order to wrap himself around me in love. We often want to know what the future looks like. That's why some people resort to seeking false prophets or teachers, such as psychics or fortune tellers. But there's only one true psychic and fortune teller that we have, and his name is Jesus. In our gospel reading, tell, Jesus tells both us and the disciples what the future will be like and he doesn't pull any punches. The future's not going to be easy for his followers as they do his work in our world. Our job is to help our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as those who are lost, and bring them into the fold so that they all can feel the real need because they need to be part of a worshiping community. If we're persecuted for our work, we can take comfort in the knowledge that in the end, God will fashion eternity. The work won't be easy. We'll get tired because it's hard to put others' needs ahead of our own each moment of each day. It's hard to volunteer at the local food bank or help with the local Christmas children's pageant, or help at Family Promise, or teach a Bible study, and keep doing it week after week, month after month, or year after year. It's tough for us to do the right thing in our lives when it's often easier to take shortcuts. But it's at times like these when we need that vision of Christ's return to sustain us. We get that hope and keep it alive through prayer and worship. The visions and teachings fill our spiritual gas tank and give us that energy we need to continue. The cost of discipleship is obedience to God 
and embedded in that cost is the gift of freedom. We know that the cost of work, of service to us is long hours, tired body, and weary minds, but it's all for the glory of God. And the gift embedded in that strenuous activity is the joy of the Lord. The good news is that we are all followers, not pioneers, and God calls us, holds us all close throughout our life's journey. We are indeed loved and blessed. Stand up. Be faithful. Be strong. Be vigilant. Be obedient. And be dedicated to our belief in Christ. Pray for those in need. Help those who are poor and be thankful for the blessings we receive. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org and peace be with you.